0: It's been a tough time for everyone since COVID turned the planet upside down about
1: a year ago. For public health officials, it's been nonstop crisis management. We'll talk with California's Surgeon General about how the state is doing so far.
0: Plus, an update from two small business owners who could benefit from the new stimulus package.
1: Welcome to California State of Mind, from Matters and CAP Radio. I'm Elizabeth Aguilera in Los Angeles.
0: And I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. And we wanna start by welcoming all of our new listeners on CAP Radio here in Sacramento.
1: We've been podcasting this show for a few months, and now we get to join all of you on the airwaves as well.
0: It's a big week, and Elizabeth, it's been an exciting week for me because I got to cover two in-person press conferences, which was very exciting. But I had forgotten how exhausting it is to commute and pick out like real work clothes. And it got me thinking after almost a year of working from home, what do you think is worse? Is it commuting or is it the endless Zoom meetings?
1: (laughs) I think the endless Zoom meetings because something really gets lost in the virtual world that you can, you know, pick up on or feel a different vibe when you're in the room with somebody. But of course, that does include the commute and figuring out work clothes, which have just been sitting in the closet this whole year, right? But I also think that disconnect in the virtual world is why parents and kids are desperate to get back to in-person school. Some school districts are announcing reopening plans. They are not waiting for the state And then, of course, pressure is mounting on Governor Newsom. He's getting hammered by opponents for not coming up with a deal yet. Well, apart from these political fights,
0: we had the chance to ask Dr. Nadine Burke Harris about what all of this
1: past year has meant for children. She's a pediatrician and California's first Surgeon General. She's also advising the governor on public health, the pandemic and the vaccine rollout. She joined us this week. So we want to give listeners the chance to understand what your role is as Surgeon General before we dive right in, because you are the first in the state, and especially during the COVID crisis, how would you describe your role in the state's COVID response and what you do for California?
2: So my role is as an advisor to the governor and also as a public health spokesperson. I work really closely with the Secretary of Health and Human Services. But one of the things that's unique to uh, my role is that I really work across the administration and work as a a health champion really convening cross-sector solutions to really look at health in all that we do.
1: We know communities of color have taken the brunt of the virus. And now with the vaccine rollout, there are a lot of equity and access issues, a lot of questions about who's getting the vaccine. Why do you think this has become an issue?
2: One of the biggest challenges is that supply is such an extraordinary limitation. Now, when we first started our vaccine rollout, we started with a strategy that included both age and sector. And that was an important way to address equity because the sectors that were prioritized were, for example, uh, food and agriculture, which includes our farm workers. Uh, It included uh, many of our essential workers. But one of the challenges that we experienced was, and we heard overwhelming responses from Californians, from local health jurisdictions, from, from all over, was that uh, the system was too complex, it was difficult to implement, and it was slowing the implementation of vaccine delivery on the ground. And so what that meant was that we had to pivot. And what we were hearing generally from the federal government was, the faster you get vaccine out, the faster we'll allocate vaccine to you. And so you all will recall, I think it's no secret that when California initially did our rollout of the vaccine, it was slow, we were last. So we made some changes to streamline the process and I wanna emphasize that not all these changes have gone into effect yet. The one thing that I wanna flag is that our current numbers in terms of vaccine equity, they look awful, right? You look at it, there's, there's, there's no secret there. And part of the reason for that is because in in phase 1A, the focus was on vaccinating those, uh, vaccinating the vaccinators and those at the very, very, very highest risk, those in nursing homes. Now, if you look at the demographics of those two groups, you know, unfortunately, and I think that there are lots of reasons, we understand lots of reasons that they're uh, predominantly less likely to be communities of color. And so there's where we start to see these skewed numbers. And the intention was to catch up as we move to a more sector-based strategy. Now we recognize that we're gonna have to catch up with our allocation, our outreach, as we seek to have uh, an efficient, fast vaccination strategy, right? We've improved on our rate of vaccinations. We're doing way better. But at the same time, we refuse to sacrifice equity.
1: Dr. Burke Harris, I wanna turn to, well, the other big question that people have besides how the vaccine rollout is going, and that's about how children are doing. Your major specialty up until COVID, of course, is research into the lasting effects of childhood trauma, can you talk about how that applies during the pandemic with kids being isolated at home, not going to school or seeing their friends? Many have lost family members or maybe been sick themselves. How are you thinking about how this crisis has really affected the children?
2: Well, I, I just got off the phone with a pediatrician who is part of our ACES AWARE initiative. As I was talking to this pediatrician, what he said to me was he deals with more mental health crises in children now than ear infections right so what we, what we are hearing from our clinicians on the ground both for in pediatrics and in adults is that the the stress of the pandemic and all of the mitigation measures that we've had to take, the economic hardships, the not the isolation of not being able to see friends and family for kids, not being able to go to school, all of the above has been overwhelming. And what I hear from, from clinicians who have done our ACEs Aware training is that they're using that information every single day to help their patients.
0: Dr. Burke Harris, how much do you think Kids and teenagers not being physically in school factors into to some of these problems. And what are you telling the governor on this? Because it's been an ongoing issue and there's more and more pressure every single day to get schools open.
2: Well, certainly we know that children not being in person in school has a significant impact developmentally, mentally and emotionally all of the above. And this is why this has been such a big priority for the governor to help to get our kids back in school as quickly as is safely possible.
0: Well, what do you say to the, the families who are frustrated that their kids may go a full year maybe even longer without being physically in the classroom?
2: As a mom of four boys uh, who have been doing distance learning, I can say, I feel your frustration. I completely understand uh, how people are feeling. And we are really working our hardest to ensure that everyone can return to the classroom safely, right? Our children and our educators.
1: We're talking with Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, California's first Surgeon General. Dr. Burke Harris, as the pandemic continues, what signs of stress should parents or other people be watching out for in their loved ones?
2: Some of the things that that parents can look out for is things like uh, developmental regression. Before that, they were potty trained and now they're back to wedding or they're having trouble sleeping. Difficulty sleeping is one of the most common things that we're seeing during this pandemic. Change in appetite. I think a lot of people will likely recognize um you know often it's increased appetite but it could be diminished appetite as well all of these are signs that our bodies are making more stress hormones than is normal and so these stress busting strategies are really based on the science of how things like exercise nutrition mindfulness getting out into nature um mental health and the most really the most potent tool which is healthy relationships connecting with people by whom we feel understood and and recognized and 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 really how we can use these tools to help to to heal
0: and i just wonder if you might be willing to share with us what the last year has been like on a personal level for you you mentioned your boys and distance learning what other major challenges have there been in your life? You know, are you feeling overwhelmed and anxious and fatigued just like the rest of us?
2: I think that as, as most people uh, would imagine, the experience of fighting this pandemic and the role of surgeon general is not separated from the experience of going through the pandemic as, as a mom, as a daughter, as, uh, as a wife. I would say probably the hardest thing for me is that my mom has been quite ill and it's been an amazing experience of trying to provide resources to keep our ICU capacity available and support our doctors and you know set up these uh, accessory sites so that we can maintain our healthcare infrastructure. And during that same period of time, you know, my own mom was in the ICU um, more than once, not because of COVID, but so that was really like, you know, when when we talk about, hey, everyone in the community, we need you to wear a mask and wash your hands and watch your distance and wait to gather. And we need it because for all the people who have COVID and we need it for all the people who don't have COVID who need healthcare and who are really sick, you know? And so it's been a difficult time. The, the hardest part about it has been not being able to go down and and visit my mom. You know, my mom was in the ICU. I, I drove down to Stanford Hospital and I was turned away at the door, right? And I, like everyone else, couldn't visit my loved one when they were extremely sick in the hospital. And that is, um, I think the thing I would want people to know is that we recognize what those experiences are like. We recognize how hard it is to have four kids at home, distance learning, and, you know, trying to work and trying to do everything else and, you know, my husband and I have every privilege in the world and it's still hard.
1: Nicole, I really appreciate Dr. Burke Harris getting personal with us. That's really important as we talk to people at her level, but also talking to our audience members and Californians across the state. Like, what is really happening with them, right?
0: Yeah, you know, our job as journalists is to grill decision makers, and we won't stop doing that. But it is really easy to forget sometimes that the people in charge have their own lives and their own families, too, and they're just trying to get through this terrible time just like the rest of us.
1: That's so true, and She reminded me that, you know, not just the pandemic is going on clearly, but all of us have all these other layers of things going on, right? Other health issues are happening, other education issues, or just family things that happen that you'd be dealing with anyway. But now we have the pandemic on top of all of that.
0: Well, coming up, we catch up with two small business owners who are eligible for the state's new stimulus grant program. We first talked with them back in December, and we'll get an update on how their hair salon and restaurant are doing these days. Stay tuned for more California State of Mind. It's California State of Mind from CAP Radio and Cal Matters. I'm Nicole Nixon. And
1: I'm Elizabeth Aguilera. More financial help is on the way for many Californians. The legislature passed and Governor Newsom signed a $7.6 billion economic stimulus package this past week. It includes $600 checks for households making less than $30,000 a year, plus another stimulus payment for undocumented workers who weren't included in the federal stimulus money.
0: But we are going to focus on what the package included for small businesses throughout the state. And for that, we're revisiting a couple of folks we've spoken with before on the show. Rosie Abara owns Social Salon Suites in Glendale, California. She cuts and colors hair, and she rents space to more than a dozen other stylists. Welcome back, Rosie. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. And another warm welcome to Al Griffin. He co-owns the Placerville Public House in Placerville. Hi, Al.
3: Thanks for having me back.
0: Rosie, let's start with you. The last time we had you on the show was right after the state issued a curfew order in December. Obviously, you're not doing haircuts in the middle of the night, so that didn't affect you, I don't think. But last year was definitely a tough one. You did not qualify for a federal paycheck protection program. You did get a federal small business loan, but you told us that you had lost about $200,000 over the year. Give me a sense of how things are going right now. So thankfully,
4: uh, we have really managed our budgets with our business and personal life. So we have been able to float throughout all of this experience. But, you know, we already received the bill on paying back the federal loan that we received back uh, last year. We did apply for the second round of PPP. And then uh, so that's been able to help us out at least for this year. Uh, but again, it's still a big blow. Um, we finally have hit a bottom. So now we can finally build from that. Uh, that was the biggest fear from last year where there was just, we we didn't hit a bottom yet. And so we didn't know how much we were going to continue to lose. So we're really grateful for that. And, um, and we're just looking forward to a much brighter uh, 2021.
0: Well, Al, how how are you doing? You are in another hard hit industry. You have a restaurant and a pub. Uh, last time we talked, you said you were investing in patio heaters and other things to keep customers coming by. But you said that the community had been a lifeline for you and that you were on this financial roller coaster. Are you still on it?
3: Yeah, we I mean, we went into winter up here in the, the foothills and it got cold. So we had uh, really difficulty trying to navigate the patio and the outside spaces and keep our customers happy. A lot of restaurants were starting to go indoors regardless of the, the guidelines. And we really had to be careful to navigate that because um, we still had an obligation to keep ourselves safe and our customers safe. We did okay considering the time of year is usually the busiest time of year for us, um, being the winter time a lot of tourists, a lot of travelers. So it was it was difficult. Uh, we have now since shut down our pub to move down the street to a, a another spot, another location. So things are looking up. Things are looking brighter.
0: Why are you moving the restaurant?
3: My fiance and I, my partner and I talked about whether or not we wanted to continue the pub. We wanted to keep it open. Do we want to just let it go. Our lease was coming up. We were close to calling it quits. And then uh, we spoke with some other folks down the street that own another spot. And it just started to kind of turn into a really ideal situation uh, for us. And we really couldn't pass it up.
0: Before we get to the stimulus money, let me ask both of you what's been the Biggest, most frustrating issue for you over the past year. Like, can you pinpoint one thing in particular that made you just throw your hands up and want to give up? (laughs) Well,
4: I'll go first on this one. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much everything. I mean, from the moment that we were given directives on how to properly and safely uh, take care of our customers back in May, I believe, all the way to now, nothing's really changed. And so the fact that we keep getting closed and not having any data to support our closures and how it was going to contribute to the worsening of the virus numbers, it was like no one was listening. The metrics just are, I feel like I'm in a a Dr. Seuss book, you know, up is down, down is up. You know, I, I don't even know what's going on. I have to thank clients for being so Uh, understanding and supportive and for some of the business owners, supporting business owners to help each other out. Um, But it's uh, it's grim out there. It's really sad. It has been the biggest nightmare ever.
0: Al, is your answer, you know, (laughs) what's been most frustrating issue for you? Is it also everything or is there something,
3: you know, it is there's so much to take into account, whether it's the guidelines changing and how do you conform and how do you cope with those weekly you know, monthly updates. And most frustrating thing is is that you had to be so flexible and try to change your business model like any given week. A couple weeks go by and you're hearing colors and tears and midwives, you know, around us, we have businesses that are ignoring it all. If you feel like you're not even operating the business like you normally would.
0: You're listening to California State of Mind, and we are talking with Rosie Abara and Al Griffin, two small business owners here in California. So for our listeners who are not small business owners and might not know the details, this stimulus package provides more than $2 billion in grants to small businesses. These are from 5000 to $25,000. Rosie, will you be applying for these or have you already? Um, and also curious, how much of a difference does that amount of money make potentially?
4: So I already have applied for it. Um, unfortunately, it has been put on a wait list. I mean, honestly, my rent alone just for the salon itself is $12,000. So, you know, it may float me for just one month, but, you know, we've already lost. Actually, now it's gone over $250,000 just from last year. And a lot of it has turned into some personal debt because there just wasn't any funding available for our business. It's challenging because you get all the paperwork in. It's been an absolute nightmare to get a hold of anybody from the department. I don't foresee it even showing up quite honestly. So I'm really happy that the at least the PPP loan came through. Uh, but again, that was only 15000 or something. So that already got smoked up in rent right there.
0: That's huge. $250,000 in debt. How do you come back from that? Well, thankfully, I'm quite resourceful. I
4: have to, well, I ended up going back into doing hair Uh, My husband and I, we also have our real estate license. We're thinking about getting back into real estate. I mean, we are trying our best to do everything we can to um, to come back above ground. Spoken like a true
0: small business owner, just a little bit of everything. got to do what you got to do. How about do. you, Al? Have you applied for one of these grants? And can you walk us through the process? Rosie talked about it a little bit. How does the system determine whether you're eligible?
3: Yeah, we did the original round of PPP and we were uh, we were able to put back a lot of our employees to work. We applied for the grant. Uh, that, was, that was a little while back, the California one. Um, I believe we got, I don't know if we got denied or we just were on a wait list. Thankfully, I have this amazing bookkeeper that helps out immensely when it comes to filling out some of this paperwork. We are kind of in the mindset of like, we're going to apply for almost everything we can just to see what sticks. I mean, like she said, it might be a drop in the bucket. It might pay rent. It might, you know, float you for a few, but at this point, you really don't have a whole lot of options. Um, we've even tried helping other business owners out that may not have heard about some of these grants and loans. I have friends that have small businesses um, and, um, local farms and other places that I'm like, have you heard about this? You know, you should look into it. One of the things on the opening and closing is people don't realize is when you close you, you know, you have to put your employees out of work for a little while you're with us in the restaurant, you lose product, you lose food, you lose a lot of waste. And then to reopen it costs money. Again, you have to to revamp and and reprep and recook. And, and there's a lot of waste and a lot of cost that goes into opening and closing, opening and closing and limiting your hours. And so um, we are hopeful that, you know, a little bit of this grant money will come our way and it'll kind of maybe just give us a little nudge.
0: You touched on this a little. Um, do you either of you have any other advice for how you've gotten through this past year? You know, we've talked a lot about some of the big struggles, but Have you gained some wisdom too that might be helpful for others out there? Try to stay focused
4: on what the bigger picture is and don't let, um, you know, fear take over because that's unfortunately what's going to, um, you know, really solidify the business not doing well at all. So you just got to really have bravery, patience, and you got to have a sense of humor as well. This journey is insane and it is painful and it is all of those things that we've all experienced However, if you don't have a sense of humor with this, it's gonna change you and it's gonna affect you in a negative way. So, you know, you gotta keep going.
3: I agree. It's it's been a a roller coaster, but you know, we do chuckle at some of the nightmares that are in front of us. But our biggest thing has been, you know, I touched on it before, is our customer base has been overwhelmingly supportive. And walking down the street in, in Plaza Main Street the other day, and it's like people just say, What can I do to help? Without that, I think we may have possibly just given up and and called it quits but knowing that we're we're important to a a whole group of people and whole community that's what kind of keeps us plugging away and keeps us going
0: well al griffin of placerville public house and rosie of social salon suites in glendale thank you both so much for joining us with this update best of luck again to both of you and don't be surprised if we call in to check in again (laughs)
3: okay thank you
0: sounds good thanks a lot nicole You know, Elizabeth, I think we've all gleaned some hard-won wisdom over the last year. Like, for me, I learned pretty early on how to do that Zoom face filter so I didn't look so tired at my early morning meetings.
1: (laughs) What have you learned? I want to thank you for showing me how to use that filter once we started having lots of Zoom meetings together. Passing it on. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the other things I think I've heard from a lot of people and that I've thought a lot about, too, is... This has really, I think, helped us figure out what some of our personal priorities are. You know, what is important to you when all of a sudden the world is at a standstill, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, there's still plenty of work to do. And on our last episode, we asked you to tell us what the Golden State could be doing better to help you manage the COVID-19 crisis.
0: We heard from people across the state, including some parents who really want to see schools reopened
1: and business owners still seeking economic relief. And, of course, plenty of suggestions on how to make getting the vaccine easier. Here's Patty in Palo Alto.
2: My husband and I are trying to figure out if we can have someone come to the house to give us the vaccination because I'm 97 years old and I'm blind and my husband is 95 and has mobility problems and it's just very difficult for us to go anywhere anytime.
0: Now Patty told us that she and her husband have 24-hour care but haven't received any information on how to get the vaccine from their doctor and they really miss getting to see their neighbors in person.
1: You can email us with your specific suggestions for state leaders at yourgoldenstate at gmail.com. That's yourgoldenstate at gmail.com.
0: And that's California State of Mind for this week. Next time, you may have heard that a lot of stimulus and unemployment money has gone into savings accounts or towards paying down debt. That may be true, but it's only part
1: of the story. We'll hear about people who weren't so fortunate and ended up taking out loans and racking up debt for the first time. That's on the next episode of California State of Mind. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, Nicole. You too, see you next time. California
0: State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio. It's edited by Tess
1: Figland and produced by Jen Picard. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Devin Cortan is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio and Joe Barr is our chief of
0: content. Dave Lesher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Melifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel.
3: Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company and from Sutter Health.